0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this latest episode of the podcast. My name is Richard Bryant, and I am your host. It's May 15th, 2020. This is the Corona Chronicles, Day 64. Here are today's news and notes. We start internationally with our friends at the Theater Times, The International Online Theater Festival 2020, a glimpse into the physical theater performances. This was posted by Ariand Meku, and it is a review of the festival. During an art and culture online ubiquity that was expanded in the course of the global pandemic, the International Online Theater Festival launched its second edition on the 15th of April, this year's festival under the direction of Maria Delgado, Sunan Lee, Alma Parekh, and Gabriel Vivas Martinez, gathers a variety of performances, documentations, that question the role of theater making in a world where you can be anything. Offering a clear curatorial point of view proves to be an essential project undertaken by IOTF when considering that the quantity of recorded performances that is currently available online is abundant and perhaps difficult to navigate. Furthermore, IOTF Providing remote access to international and less known well-known perspectives on theatre making helps to maintain openness during a moment of imposed isolation stylistically different but equally engaging negative space by reckless sleepers album family by Matteo Spiazzi and Antigon Triptych Part Two by Song of the Goat Theatre are three performances that aim to respond to this year's festival theme by placing the moving body in focus. Everyday physicality, mask work, and virtuosic dance are part of this open borderline landscape that is inhabited by multiple identities. Funny and at times gently violent scenes between siblings unfold in a white room as part of negative space, a physical theater performance directed by Mole Weatherall and performed by the British-Belgian company Reckless Sleepers. In an effort to coexist in the same place, the bodies in negative space interact strongly with the constructed architecture on stage, causing its gradual destruction. The process and actions are devised around a cause-and-effect performance structure. Unexpected cutouts of space gradually reveal the surrounding area and blur the boundaries between the white room and the black stage. The trap doors on the performance floor become entrances and exits from the white room, and even the non-existent ceiling is used as an invisible door for the bodies to appear in the scenic space from above. During the dismantling process, a hammer or even the bodies of the performers serve as tools to push or pierce the walls as an answer to the aggressive use of the hammer, offering a rose as a sign of reconciliation and of making peace between the roommates. All these space transitions and interactions are orchestrated into a playful choreographic arrangement that uses creatively the minimal set design, but it often lacks rhythm. In a completely different environment, The concept of sharing space is also applied in Family Album, a mask theater directed by Matteo Spiazzi. Three different generations, polarized around the predominant figure of their elderly mother, are the silent actors in Family Album. In a 90s apartment designed for the stage of the Left Bank Theater in Ukraine, stereotypical family scenes of care and tension unfold among standard gendered roles during this period of the collapse of the Soviet Union. One of the most captivating and applauding characteristics of this performance is undoubtedly the use of face masks in the style of modern commedia dell'arte. The character of every performer exclusively depends on the careful and detailed curation of the body language of every role. Speed and energy of movement, the way of holding a posture, rigid or sequential movement, gestures and ways of walking constitute the distinct bodywork of every character that is based on gender binaryism and the habitual moving patterns of different ages. A portrait photo, as well as the action of taking a final photo, becomes the connecting point among the bittersweet scenes of the theatrical plot. The way of making theater is also distinct in the case of the Polish company Song of the Goat Theater's *Antigone Triptych, Part 2, a synthesis of polyphonic singing and dancing on the sound of a music composition made for a solo cello. Elaborating the oppositional character of Antigone. as the vocal text narrates, she is one who resists escaping from her beliefs. Inspired by Antigone, the well-known ancient Greek theatrical play written by Sophocles, the struggle between family and civic duty is reflected in the multiple incarnations of Antigone by the dancers, in contrast to the traditional adaptations of the play, where the chorus is moving and singing contemporaneously. Antigone consists of two separated choruses, a vocal and a dancing. Choreographed by French choreographer Melanie Lemoffe, each dancer embodies a different aspect of Antigone's beliefs and doubts. Jumps, fast movements, slides on the floor, and back arches combined with visceral and expressive movements are performed by well-trained bodies with high extensions and strong physicality. Moments of movement passing sequentially or in canon from one body to another create visually pleasing rhythmic patterns while intertwined body parts and entangled bodies reveal the internal drama that Antigone goes through. These are only three of the endless ways of exploring the complexity of human relationships through theater and of placing the moving body at the heart of narration. In a world that you can be everything, according to the motto of the International Online Theater Festival, theater is a place that everything is possible. Nevertheless, the more respectful is the documentation of performance to the norms of the screen. The stronger is the power of online theater. To this end, the direction of Antigone for the screen, a mixture of close-ups and wide views combined in a choreographic rhythm succeeds to create an emotional impact enhanced by Machik Reichel's music composition. Furthermore, the presence of the audience in the screen version of Negative Space creates a much-needed connection of the recorded performance with the live event. The presence of the audience at the beginning of the play is a reminder that the performance has not been conceived for the screen medium, but it has been adapted, helping us in this way to be aware of the lack of freedom that we may have as spectators regarding where to focus our attention. In addition, selected camera perspective and editing for family album raises questions about the importance and relevance of what lies outside the frame of the screen when actions that take place on stage remain invisible. As producing digital culture is presented as a popular and promising solution to accessing performance made locally as well as at different parts of the world during and after a global pandemic, a point to keep in consideration is the potentiality of the mediation of the screen between live performance and digital audience. Note, The three productions will be available on the site of the International Online Theater Festival until the end of May 16th, 2020. Page two. Switching gears a little bit, from our friends at whatsonstage.com, the Sheffield Theaters to present outdoor performances of Shakespeare's shows in 2020. The Shakespeare to Sheffield scheme will see shows in public squares. Sheffield Theaters has announced plans to perform shows outdoors later this year. The outdoor performances will be taking place in the city's green spaces and operate in conjunction with official guidance on outdoor gathering. Further information will follow when go- further government advice is available. Robert Hasty, artistic director, commented, We want to offer the city some joy and find a way to bring people together to experience live performance again. The last few weeks have reminded all of us here that theater is what we do, not just the building where we usually do it. As long as we can make sure that everyone involved is safe, we can still be creative and make some great theater happen for audiences around the city. If you can't come to us, we'll come to you. We'll be making these shows with the same bold energy we always do telling Shakespeare's timeless stories with passion and humor so that families, students, and theater lovers of all ages can share in the joy of live performance. The venue has also stated that it has canceled all performances and will close all spaces until at least the 20th of July, citing the impossibility of rehearsing new productions. Be sure to take advantage of being able to go outdoors and enjoy theater. From our friends at Stage Directions, In One, the podcast, episode number 98, another edition of the Quarantine Happy Hour, number six. The pandemic has raised a host of questions regarding current and future contracts, pay schedules, working conditions, health insurance, union dues, and many other topics, and Carl Mullard is back with us to help wade through it all. Carl is the business rep for Live Performance for United Scenic Artists, and he joins us, along with Jen Shriver and Bradley King, to break down what we know about how theater will come back and what questions will need to be answered before that happens. Carl also shares with us conversations being had regarding streaming rights. A very important distinction in how the different USA contracts are legally binding, and how the lack of leadership from the federal government is making it difficult to establish guidelines for how venues will be able to reopen. Knowledge is power, so tune in and power up with this important episode. Also, be sure to have your cocktails ready. It is a happy hour after all. From our friends at Variety.com, Disney's Frozen ends Broadway run due to the coronavirus. This was reported by Brent Lang. When Broadway reopens, it will do so without a certain Snow Queen. Disney Theatrical Productions announced Thursday that Frozen and its ubiquitous anthem Let It Go have hit their last high notes at the St. James Theater. The show will close having played its final performance on Wednesday evening, March 11th, right before Broadway went dark due to the coronavirus. It will have played 825 performances and 26 previews. Other shows have also decided not to move forward when theater comes back online. Some, such as Hangman, and a revival of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf with Laurie Metcalf before even formally opening. However, Frozen is the first major musical to dim its lights due to the pandemic. Other shows that were slated to open, such as the highly anticipated revival of Plaza Suite with real-life married couple Matthew Broderick and Sarah Jessica Parker, have pushed back their debuts into 2021. Currently, the Broadway League says theaters will remain closed through Labor Day, though many in the theatrical community expect the shutdown will extend into next year. Continuing in that vein, from our friends at Playbill.com, Disney Theatrical Productions reveals its next steps for Hercules and the Jungle Book musicals, the Aida revival, and more. This was presented by Ryan McPhee. The slate arrives on the heels of the announcement that Frozen, would not return to Broadway following the coronavirus shutdown. Following the news that the the musical adaptation of Frozen would not reopen on Broadway once the industry reaches the other side of the ongoing coronavirus crisis, Disney Theatrical Productions has offered a glimpse of what's to come, at least on stages beyond New York's theater district. The stage adaptation of Hercules continues to evolve after playing Central Park last summer as part of the Public Theater's Public Works program. Lire de will return to direct the next iteration with Tony-winning Tootsie book writer Robert Horn joining Alan Menken and David Zippel on the creative team. A new stage adaptation of The Jungle Book is also in development with Rajiv Joseph tapped to write the book and Richard M. Sherman composing, having written songs for the 1967 animated film with his late brother Robert. Christopher Gatelli will direct and choreograph the Newsies' Tony winner, worked on a previous iteration of the play title with director Mary Zimmerman. Candace Edmonds and Jamie Harrison will now co-direct the world premiere of the Bedknobs and Broomsticks musical following the passing of Rachel Rockwell, though previously set to premiere at Chicago Shakespeare Theatre. The musical adaptation, featuring new material by Brian Hill and Neil Bartram, in addition to the Sherman Brothers' songs, now intends to launch in the U.K. Also heading across the pond, instead of its initial U.S. plans, is the revival of Elton John, Ta Tim Rice, and David Henry Hwang's Aida. The new production, directed by she- Shelley Williams, will premiere in Germany in spring 2022, as opposed to a 2021 North American law- tour launching at Paper Mill Playhouse. No word yet on new dates for a U.S. bow. The four titles are in addition to the long-gestating stage adaptation of The Princess Bride, featuring a score... David Yazbek, and a book by Bob Martin and Rick Ellis, as well as an international revival of Beauty and the Beast. Once productions can resume in the U.S., Disney will continue its touring production of Frozen in addition to launching a new tour of Aladdin. Page 3. Continuing with our friends from Playbill.com, Ruthie Fearberg brings us this story answering your questions about convalescent plasma donation, COVID-19 treatment research, antibody testing, and more. On March 13th, Diana Barrett exhibited her first symptoms of novel coronavirus, but she is one of the lucky ones. Though she experienced the fevers and cough and gastrointestinal issues, she never had to go to the hospital and she still maintained a decent amount of energy. It was while Berendt was sick and quarantined in her bedroom that she conceived of Survivor Corps. Intended to be a service organization, a la the Peace Corps. In reality, it has become a massive resource network for survivors of and those sick with coronavirus, or anyone who wants to understand more. One of those people was six-time Tony nominee Danny Burstein. Since recovering from COVID-19, he had been trying to find a way to donate his plasma. On May 13th, Burstein and Berendt, made side-by-side appointments to donate at the New York Blood Center. But Survivor Corps goes beyond donation information. Their Facebook group is 45,000 people large and growing. It serves as an information hub community in which folks share stories and ask questions about symptoms other COVID-19 positive people have experienced, and programming host. Events include a Facebook Live Q&A on anxiety in the time of COVID with Dr. Julia Sampton, a town hall with New York City Councilman Mark Levine, and an hour-long presentation about the facts of antibody testing. Survivor Corps Facebook remains open to the public, regardless of whether you have had COVID-19. Scientific and medical professionals are looking also to track healthy people and monitor their health through your Fitbit or your Apple Watch, Barron says. There are all kinds of ways for people to participate and support the scientific efforts. In addition, the Survivor Corps website keeps tabs on registries, studies, and trials, national and by state, of testing locations, antibody testing locations, convalescent plasma donation locations, and national studies and clinical trials. Survivor Corps lists every single resource from nonprofit hospital to for profit biotech companies. Self described as agnostic, Barron says we are supporting every academic, scientific, and medical effort underway to find a cure or to answer the questions that remain mysteries about this virus. Visitors enter their zip code and find the donation site nearest them, as well as the de- as well as the qualifications to donate to that site, as it is not yet nationally standardized. Burstein knew that in this area, it was 14 days after symptoms and survival that I could donate, he says. All plasma is tested for antibodies after donation to ensure safety in transfusions and efficacy in research. Blood centers do not want people to start using them as antibody testing sites, hence the lack of testing prior to donation. Volunteers like Burstein have been invaluable. Convalescent plasma could really be the most effective stopgap measure until we have a global available vaccine, says Berendt. Convalescent plasma can be transfused directly to a critically ill patient as treatment. It can be used by biotech companies to help create products that will save lives. It can be sent to research universities like Johns Hopkins and Columbia to study properties of the disease and potential treatments. What's more, the human body regenerates plasma like any other blood donation, so it's entirely safe to donate. Barrent has done so five times to date. Though not a medical professional, Barrent has enlisted an impressive scientific advisory board that includes many clinical doctors and professionals. As a survivor and the wife of a survivor and mother of two survivors, Barrent wants to spread the knowledge. We are a campaign of awareness, she says. Our goal is to support the scientific community in every way possible. That extends to the epidemiologists, the social scientists who are using this data to try to figure out how we can open safely so that it's not at the cost of life. She continues, we have science at our disposal. Page four. As we start to wrap up today's podcast, here's some last bit of news and notes from our friends at USITT. It's that time once again to submit your session proposals for next year's USITT Conference and Stage Expo in Columbus, Ohio for consideration. Brand new this year are our year-round forum webinars, so we're also accepting proposals for these as well. Call for Proposals is open for commission and individual submissions until June 30th, 2020. And we reopen for exhibitors from September 1st to December 1st, 2020. More information on how to submit can be found at usitt.org also to wrap up the week in their series of posts from designers whose productions were canceled or postponed today they're featuring the work of courtney riddick courtney was the costume designer for the school of theater at florida state production of marie antoinette which was to be her mfa thesis here's courtney's description of her design the take we were going for in this rendition was a focus on marie as a spectator in her own life she cannot be who she may wish but can merely be a character in the stories others create about her a tool in one instance and a display object in another she is the queen but she is not a sovereign to accomplish this the setting of the play takes place in a museum and what is happening on stage is the story being told through the newly mounted exhibit being erected of her life the pieces of her life are interacted with from with from mounts or objects of importance are added to display cases when they're finished with a moment of importance is the opening scene of the play in the opening scene she is wearing a large blue ball gown with the widest panier and the tallest hair she is left largely immobile in the center of the stage while her friends and servants fit around her at the end of the scene the large blue gown which is revealed to actually be freestanding is pulled away from her like the dress of a paper doll by servants and is then added to a gilded display case the base of the servants and unnamed characters looks are modern but tweaked with hints of the Georgian period as though seen through the filter of Marie's understanding at the moment. At the end, when Marie is executed and the exhibit is open, their looks convert back to fully modern as they peruse the displays and her life as they see fit. Review her work. Please visit USITT's Facebook page and other social media platforms. From the Education Commission of USITT, this post from Professor William Kenyon the OISTAT Education Online Meeting for Theater Students Coping with COVID-19. To all USITT students, my name is William Kenyon and I'm currently the chair of OISTAT's Education Commission. As you may know, if you are a member of USITT, you are also a member of OISTAT. We have been working actively to develop best practices in online theater production, training, and education and want to include you in the process. I am hosting two Zoom sessions next week and invite you to come and participate in the discussions with students from theater programs worldwide. Both sessions will cover the same agenda but are being offered at different times to accommodate all time zones around the world. Topics to be discussed include, but are not limited to, what aspects of online learning were successful for you and what just didn't work? What barriers to success did you experience with online learning? Did you not have net access? Was there a quiet place to work? Did you have access to materials, proper equipment? What topics would you like to study online, and what topics do you want to wait on until they can be taught in person? Are there issues, of course, that you want to address? We are trying to understand what your experience has been. You can find all the registration information by visiting the Education Commission USITT page on Facebook. Before I conclude today's podcast, I want to once again extend my gratitude to the members of our armed services, to our health care workers, our nurses and doctors, to our first responders, the police, fire, and emergency service officers around the world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Please join me in continuing to support these women and men as they face this near impossible task of saving lives in the face of such great adversity. Please support your local food banks and shelters. If possible, donate blood at one of your local Red Crosses. Be sure to check in on the elderly and support those who have special needs. Reach out to a friend and help not only make their day, but also improve your own. Please support your small and local businesses as well. Be sure to continue to practice good hygiene, the wearing of personal protective equipment, and social distancing. I'd like to leave you with this quote from French-Polish physicist Marie Curie. She said, Nothing in life is to be feared. It is only to be understood. Now is the time to understand more, so that we may fear less. My name is Richard Bryant, and I have been your host. It's May 15th, 2020. This has been the Corona Chronicles, Day 64. Take care, be well, and have a good day night.